Hey, on our podcast today, we're talking about yet another controversial topic, patriotism. Is it good to be a patriot or is this some outdated uh, idea of the past that we need to throw in the garbage heap of human history? What does it mean to love your country? Why is it so important? Uh, and is it something we should even be proud of? Should you be proud to be an American any longer? Or is America a dark, evil place that we should, uh, again, get rid of? These are the kind of things that we're going to be talking about in our podcast today. You will not want to miss it. We hope you'll join us. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad you're with us today. We're talking about loving our country and about being a patriot and all these things. And, you know, I was just thinking in light of... Last week we talked about an, an, a highly controversial phrase, American exceptionalism. Now we're going to talk about American patriotism or, or what's been called Christian nationalism. Yeah. I mean, so now we're, we're going to really get into this, another controversial topic. Is it okay to be a patriot? Uh, and even that word today is met with all kinds of crazy definitions of what patriotism means. I was doing some research for this podcast and uh, coming across an article in The Atlantic, I think it was, which of course is a liberal magazine. But but patriotism today has been um, hijacked by us right-wingers, and we have this our own idea of what patriotism is, and then you got the on the left what their idea of patriotism is. Um, but I guess we're going to talk today about the whole notion... How do you love your country, and is loving your country even something that one should aspire to? Yeah, and, and just to give some context, this is a sophisticated—this uh, is not a simple topic to talk about. I mean, I remember when I first immigrated to, to the United States from Taiwan, and, like, my first day into third grade in America, and they were doing the Pledge of Allegiance, yeah. and they say, hey, put your hand over your heart. I'm like, I'm not putting my hand over my heart. I, I, I'm not even American. You know, right. fast forward, whatever, 30 years from now, I have an in-depth understanding. Right. I, I didn't grow up in this, like, love America and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I didn't grow up in that type of background. Right. You know, my, my understanding, my, my background is very much of, like, give me the real deal. Like, what does that actually mean? Investigate what that actually really means sure, to a love bit, one's nation. Sure, too, for our listeners, because I, I think your, your story as an American, Asian-American, is yeah. part of the American story for lots of people. Right. You know, again, you came here not on the basis of your of your color or your ethnicity. You came here for freedom. I mean, talk about you. That was your grandfather, or well, no. I mean, my parents came here to pastor their church, but I mean, I came from Taiwan. Taiwan had a degree of freedom, but we came here for the opportunity, opportunity for, yeah. to share the gospel, opportunity to, to my my parents to, to pastor a Chinese American church. But but I think the perspective I bring is like I have a sober per, sober perspective, sober observation of what does it mean to love America. I I didn't grow up in this like right, raw right, right. raw right winged you know like uh, uh, family of just you know like this is how it is. No, I I, I have studied, have looked through what America actually means, studied the Constitution, what it represents. And so, so, so now when, when, when we do the pledge to yeah. place your hand over your heart, it's not something where you're doing it out of... I'm a, doing because that was all I know. No, right. I've considered it carefully. I've, right. I've read books. I've studied what the Constitution is about. I, I look at the opportunity presented in America. I have been to other nations. I have friends in other nations. 
and I look at what God has done, and my, my ultimate allegiance is to the Lord, is to, to, the, to the God describing the Bible and through that context. Right. That's my perspective looking at what does it mean to love America. But so. you can love the God of the Bible and love the, the, uh, the scriptures and then come to also a love for the nation in which you Well, that's you the question. Yourself. I think a lot of churches and a lot of pastors are having disagreement on is, is Christian nationalism undermining the scripture? And my opinion is, is whatever you mean by Christian nationalism or right. or. or or our patriotism is is no because to me we're going to talk about this later it's a stewardship issue yeah. god has blessed us with this great opportunity uh I, we and i were just talking about this god has blessed me with an amazing wife and i'm loving her is stewarding her gifts while stewarding her love stewarding her guys get blessed me with amazing kids i yeah. want to steward them while you know, same thing with the nation. We've been right. giving the Constitution the opportunities. Shouldn't we steward that well? Shouldn't we should love them well, care for them well, call them to their righteousness? Right. To me, so there's no contradiction between between the scriptures and being patriotic right. and caring for your nation. In fact, it's been argued that good Christians make the best citizens. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah. if you're a, a lover of Christ and a lover of the Word, you're also going to be a lover of your community and a lover of your neighbor a lover of, uh, you know, you're the nation in which you find yourself, you're going to steward it for its benefit, for its Absolutely. well-being. So, you know, I, I appreciate, uh, again, the book that we're in. I encourage you all to read it and pick up a copy. Eric Metaxas's book, If You Can Keep It, a uh, powerful book. We've been working through chapter by chapter, and we're, we're in a chapter that he's titled Loving America. And what I appreciate about Metaxas is he's such a, a historian, and so he pulls uh, elements of history that maybe we haven't read about or aren't familiar with. And, and he starts off this chapter with a great story about Lincoln's inaugural address. He said Abraham Lincoln had been elected the 16th president on November the 10th, 1860. Five weeks from that inauguration in March would mark the outbreak of the Civil War. So right after he's newly inaugurated, a little over a month later, Civil War breaks out. Right, and, and, and we could probably relate that to a little bit. As divisive as America is right now, it wasn't as divisive as back then, oh, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, because you think, are we on the verge of another Civil War? Right. You look at how divided our nation is, and I, you know, God forbid... But here, as he's up to speak, you know, as, as uh, Metaxas points out, Horace Greeley was the editor of the New York Tribune, seated right behind this new president, and he wrote that throughout Lincoln's speech, he was, quote, expecting to hear its delivery arrested by the crack of a rifle aimed at his heart. I mean, so imagine the new, newly elected president getting up there, getting ready to speak to the nation and wondering where, where the, is the sniper, you know, hiding in the audience looking right. to assassinate him. Uh, that was how, uh, you know, much of a boiling point our, and a breaking point our nation was at. But this is what Lincoln said in that speech. He said, I am loath to close. He says, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. And then he delivers the speech's final words, a passage that has rightly become famous, quote, the mystic chords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the union when again touched as surely as they will be by the better angels of our nature. Now, that's a lot of poetic language, and, and I appreciate Metaxas bringing out the point. In, in today's day of speechwriters, professional speechwriters, here is a humble kind of common man 
who sat, you know, on, uh, in his farm and uh, under candlelight, perhaps, and wrote this speech out by hand. Uh, and it is so poetic and, and so, uh, uh, you know, beautiful in his prose. Uh, but he, he uses this phrase, the mystic chords of memory, um, and how Lincoln was not only a prophet but a poet. And he's, he's talking about basically at the heart, the gist of this beautiful speech was a plea to be drawn together by our hearts and our, and our creed, our common values, the things that we share, that our love for each other as Americans is greater than the differences that are currently separating us. And I think that's a powerful reminder because even, even in America today, there are strong differences but underneath those strong differences in policy should be a, uh, a heart that says, you know what, even though I might disagree with you on this policy issue, we're still Americans and I'm still going to love you. Now, I'm not sure that's found as profoundly as at least Lincoln was making a plea for in his day and certainly not in the halls of Congress today. I mean, people outright hate each other. Um, uh, but he was saying there's something deeper that holds us all together uh, in that, you know, as Americans, uh, exceptionalism and as the creed, the, the, underneath all of this is a heartfelt cry to love this thing called America and to love each other as Americans. And um, and so let's talk a little bit about this loving America. I was doing a little, a little research, uh, and it's really kind of disappointing. This was a uh, Wall Street Journal poll in March of, of this year, so this is pretty fresh. Yeah. Uh, patriotism, religious faith, community, and other priorities that helped define the national character or creed or American exceptionalism for generations are receding in importance to Americans. Here is the findings of a, a research poll conducted between 1998 and 2018. Uh, the question, patriotism is very important, dropped from 70% of Americans agreeing that that is true to 38%. That's a significant drop. Religion is very important. That dropped from 62% down to 39%. Community involvement, getting involved in, in the larger community, serving your community uh, is important. That dropped from 47% to 27%. At the same time, money is very important, rose from 31% to 43%. So we're becoming more and more materialistic, but the things that really have held us together as a community, patriotism, religion, those things have been going down. Um, let me get back to some more data right here. You know, Ronald Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. And again, this is a U.S. senator writing uh, in her column, only 38% of adults say that patriotism is, is important compared to 70% in 1998. She goes on to explain some of her beliefs and why that's the case. But, but let's talk about that. Why are we so polarized uh, as a nation in terms of, uh, and what, what would explain, I guess, from your perspective, the data going from 70% all the way down to 38%? What's, what, what's going on here? Do we really believe that only... You know, 38% of, of people, 38 out of 100 people think that loving your country is a good thing? Yeah, I think the problem is people have completely different definitions of what does it mean to love your country. Yeah. You know, one side looks at the other side and then say, hey, what they're like, I'm not going to love what they're doing there. Right. And the other side looks at the, the left, the right, or whatever, and they say, hey, I don't agree with what they're doing. I can't, you know, I can't condone what they're doing. So, so it's, 
I to me that the decrease in patriotism, again, you got to define what patriotism means. You got to define what loving uh, your nation means, right? But yeah. and so they don't define it when they just use to <clears throat> throw that word out there. And when people think patriot, am I patriotic? I'm not. What's going on in DC? I'm not. I'm not all out for that. Right. You know. But when you think about, and, and again, this is maybe a little bit different perspective with you coming from another country to America me being raised in this country, but I, I remember like the celebration of the 4th of July, um, things like uh, President's holidays, you know, Abraham Lincoln, uh, George Washington. I mean, there was a universal sense of celebration for these, for these people, for, you know, for, you know, he even talks about in the, in the chapter, Flag Day, you know, when they all went out around the flagpole and they explained our flag and what the colors mean and, and you know, why the, this is more than a piece of cloth hanging from a string, that this, this is the embodiment of what it means to be an American. And he talked about loyalty and sacrifice and, and humility and freedom and all of these things. In other words, there was a sense, you know, when he said, hey, let's, let's rise uh, and say the Pledge of Allegiance or yeah. uh, when you would stand at a sporting event. And, and the national anthem was right. played. It wasn't like you said there. Oh, you know, we got to stand up. I'm not standing up, or I'm not taking my hat off. No, no. Like you, you were a proud American. You stood proudly. You you put your hand over your heart uh, while the playing of the national anthem. You celebrated the military and the sacrifices that that uh, folks have made. I mean, this was just a part again of our of our strong culture of. Um, American exceptionalism and, and a nationalistic pride in our country. Like, we're proud to be Americans. Of course, all this has come under attack. We went through the whole season several years ago. I guess we still have some lingering effects to that. But uh, where people just said, I'm going to kneel during the national anthem as a sign of... of um, uh, protest. Protest, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't agree. I, I'm not celebrating this music or this flag or anything that it stands for. And we saw people actually uh, saying we're ashamed to be Americans. We're embarrassed about America. Even even most recently, our women's you know uh, World Cup soccer team, uh, most of the people on that team refused to stand during the playing of the national anthem. And uh, and so it, again, this incre- this leads to a divided America. Uh, and he talked about it, a polarization that is unhealthy and i and i'll admit okay again a little history lesson even going back from where we're currently at uh, he said that and and i think it's true that it was when we move out of the 1950s into the 1960s and we have vietnam war and all the social unrest uh don't trust anybody in authority uh america used to always be viewed as the good guy on the world stage we would come in we would, you know, drive out the bad guys. We would liberate countries. We would help uh, if there was disasters. We would help in very tangible ways. Uh, this is who we were as Americans. Now all that began to be questioned. Is America really the good guy, or is we just as corrupt? Are we exploiting other nations? Um, are we, are we uh, what, uh, energy-hungry, oil-hungry? Yeah. You know, that's the only reason we're there is for our economy and for money and greed. You know, and, and people began to kind of attack uh, America and American exceptionalism. He talks about slavery, of course, women's rights. Um, so let's talk about that. You know, I guess when you get back, I guess what they're saying is, wait a minute, quit whitewashing America's past. It's not all good. 
Right. And I kind of, you know, he, he said that there are some people during the Vietnam War, and I probably would have been included if I were, were older, but who simply said, um, America, love it or leave it. Like, if you don't like it here, get the heck out of here. Mm -hmm. And there's still that sentiment today, and I understand where people are coming from. Like, right. like why are you whining about America? Yeah, we're not perfect. We get it. But where else are you going to go? Mm -hmm. where, where else are you going to go that has our freedom, our way of life, our liberties, our prosperity? You know, where are you going to go? So, I mean, I understand that. I, that really resonates with me. Like, like you don't like it, get out of here. You know, quit quit dragging us down. Quit being quit being such a victim. Um, go, go somewhere else and try to play that game. It's not going to work. But Metaxas rightly says that's really not the proper response because it ignores the fact that that we still have some issues and we've had issues in our past. Everything about America has not been great. Right. But then the flip side, and maybe you could address this, the flip side also is not correct. Like constantly attacking, tearing everything down, pulling down our statues, uh, you know, uh, almost instead of whitewashing our history, we, we start ripping up our history. So, to me, there's two, there's two type of elitism, right? A pride, so to call that. One is everything we do is great. We can do no wrong. If we made a mistake, then we're not going. We're, we're not going to pretend. I mean, it's, to me, it reminds me of a parent who thinks your kid. I mean, as a teacher, the kid's I perfect. Will, the kid's perfect. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to talk to you about your kid because no, my my son Johnny would never do that. My my daughter Susie would never. You know, whatever right. it is, and right. and it's like it's like no, that's. I'm not attacking you. Let's talk about these issues. Let's talk right. about how we can help. But so my son's not said, perfect, but my son's also not a serial killer. Right. You know, I mean, there's right. there's a balance. There's a there. balance, but 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 when the parents just like, no, I don't even want to have that discussion. It's like there's 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 a wall there. There's elitism. It's like I can't even have that discussion. Now on the other end, there's elitism, elitism of. Because we're modern now, because we have science, we have new teaching that the world has never seen before. It's like, no, never, every, every teaching you have, every Marxist principle you have, the world has seen before. So this is newer, and we're going to teach you guys something right. new. We're going to protest and show you how, how to do it the right way. Because never, And that's elitism on the other hand, America right? is a lie. Uh, the idea right. of the American creed is a lie. And we present a better idea. We're going to make everything equal, so equal that everyone's poor together. You know, like, like, like Marxist principle of this elitism. So to me, there's elitism. And I love his example. He's like, if you love your your, your, your family, you have a loved one, what do you do? Do you truly love them? Do you say, do you just kind of turn a blind eye to everything they've done wrong? Or or on the other hand, do you just simply say, you know what, I'm going to love this, I'm going to, I'm going to love the sinner and love the sin. And, and, and uh, sorry, on the flip side, are you going to just denigrate everything they do and just right. say, you're terrible, you're a horrible person. I'm gonna, Every time I see you, I'm going to beat you down. Every time I see you, I'm going to rip into you. Right. Or do you do the balance thing, which is say, hey, I love you, but I'm going to call I'm gonna call you for who you really are, who you really are called to be. I'm going right. to call you up. When you make a mistake, I'm going to call you out on it. Right. But I'm not going to do it from the elitist, the condescending place. I'm going to call you up to who you're supposed to be. So, so here's so we don't want to have a, an America that just cherry picks all the great things about our country right. and leaves out some of the stains of our country, like we mentioned slavery and some others. But the flip side is we also don't want to say that America is based on a lie that the whole system is rooted in uh, systemic uh, injustice and slavery. That America is the, the cheapest evil in the world. You know that that I mean there are people who just simply want to burn the whole place down. Um, and uh, and I think that's where we're, we have this these two camps today, 
uh, as you said, some, some, each waving their banner of, uh, of, of what is right. I wouldn't even call it patriotism because I don't know that on the left the patriotism is even celebrated anymore uh, because what's, what's replacing love for nation is a kind of a new globalism that right. I see arising. Right. And, and Metaxas talks about that. He says, uh, isn't loving uh, what is one's own simply a form of selfishness and tribalism? Shouldn't we rather think of ourselves as one world under God rather than as one nation under God? So it's the whole idea, again, of uh, is this idea of nations good? Shouldn't we be all trying to live as one big global family? I think it's what's behind the nations without borders. And oh, yeah, the George Soros, the open society, all that yep. stuff. See, that all sounds good, right? I mean, they present these beautiful arguments. If you love God, which will be no borders and everyone love each other, but you, 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 you simply throw out the simple principle that uh, human beings... Are sinful creatures, yeah. and without and when you Where's have that idea come from? Oh, yeah, that's from, from the, the Bible, which is which is the primary principle the founding fathers used when they established the. Well, I mean, that's in my opinion, one of the most founding principles when they established a separation of government. So it sounds so good, except the implementation, the execution, which is always the key. And and what does that look like? Some guy in Brussels, not even DC. DC right. has hard enough time. Connecting with me living in Northwest Indiana, right. someone in Brussels or in Germany or wherever, some world, one world government is going to connect with me. That's, yeah. There's no way, and there's no corruption in the middle of all that. But I, but I yeah. think I think that's largely what is behind, uh, at least at the elite level, this anti-patriotic. Although they wouldn't use that word, they wouldn't say they're. Oh, they, 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 they call you nationalistic, and they're, they call you tribal, and they call you selfish right, and petty right. and little, and they, all this. You're selfish for loving your country, or or you see certain people say, "Wait, we're sending all these you know billions of taxpayer dollars overseas. What about what's going on at home?" Right. Uh, that that's viewed as selfish. Like, but well, we have needs at home, um, and you know we could talk about again the accountability for the b- billions of dollars that are sent overseas. And yeah, all and of these that. are all but, talking points people yeah. throw out because you can all throw out all kind of data to support whatever view you have. But right? I guess what yeah. we're what yeah. we're dealing with is is this an antiquated idea? Should we even be trying to create patriotic citizens? Is right. that a good thing? Or is that, that again, a, a relic from the past that we need to throw in the garbage heap? I, um, I, I, in my, to me, this is a great example. You know, growing up in traditional church, pastors like Christianity, I've seen this happen a lot. And it's basically, you know what, ministry is the most important thing. Like church ministry, your own family, your own kids, that's like second or third class, right? And you, and you have even taught me a lot of this, it's, and we teach as a Living Stones. It's like your family's your number one ministry. Your wife is your number one ministry. Yeah. So, so there's a tension point there. Does that mean like I, always, I, I don't ever do ministry outside of my family? No, you do some. But when your own kids yeah. and your own family— you take care of, of, the, of what is of, most of, important. And, and, and why is that godly? Because that's, those are the responsibility God has first given you. Now, if you take good care, and I teach this to, to young people, I say, if you take good care of your wife, take care of your kids, they will become assets so you can be more fruitful in helping the right. outside world. Right. You neglect your family, you neglect your wife and that kids, they will be a drain, and you, your, your effectiveness to the rest of the world will be limited. Right. So I think it's a similar principle in terms of reaching out to the world. Yeah, we want to take, yeah, we want to be a light on this, uh, on a shiny hill to the world. We want to care about all these different things. But when we have an internal mess yeah. and our own citizens uh, have have no order, guess what? It's going to diminish the amount of energy yeah. and output we can have to the rest of the world. Yeah, I, I guess I'm having a burden, uh, even as we're going through this series, to recover 
a balanced view of history. You know, the history that we're teaching our young people in our schools should not be without being honest about America's failures. Absolutely. But when you when you also push our failures out of balance to where that's all you're talking about in America is now this evil, bad place, and you do not look at, at what we talked about in the last podcast, the exceptional nature of America and the incredible blessing that we've been to the world and how unique these ideas are that our students don't even see as unique any longer, like the rule of law or uh, uh, people created in the image and likeness of God, uh, rights coming from God, you know, all of these things that make us absolutely unique uh, and should be celebrated. We're not doing enough celebrating. Uh, we're also, we have an anti-God bias in this country on the left where God is completely separated from anything, quote, public. And so the stories of the supernatural encounters of God throughout history, and there are many of them in the founding of this nation, which led our founders to believe that we were a chosen people and that we had that responsibility to bless the nation. All of these ideas have been removed, and now you just have the bad stuff. And as we pointed out, if, you, if all you tell your son is, you're an idiot, you're a failure, you're not ever going to amount to anything because he makes one mistake, and then that becomes the script you're not going to have a healthy family, and you're certainly not going to raise a healthy son. You know, love believes the best, and, and I love what Metaxas says. He says we have to recognize our story, our American story. It's not over yet. We have the chance to continue to improve, to continue to do better, get love better, care for people better. Uh, we haven't hit the reached the top yet, you know, uh, of who we are as a people. That's what love does. It believes the best. So you look at your child, and you, and you go, hey, wait a minute. I know who you are, and I know who God's created you to be. And you and you might be immature now in certain areas, but I'm, I'm your biggest cheerleader. You know, that's to me is what patriotism is. It's like, I am America's biggest cheerleader. Yeah, I realize we're not perfect, but we got a great thing going. In fact, we got the best thing going. Uh, there's no other place in the world that can compare to what we've got going. And so let's keep working on improving. But patriotism says, I love my country. I love my neighbor. I love, what it, I love the idea of what it means to be an American, and I'm going to be committed to her success and to her continual improvement. I'm not going to be a critic throwing stones. Right. You know, like you see these people now, it's like, burn it all down. Like, how helpful is that? Right. You, what, you're, burning, you're burning the greatest nation on the planet down, and what are you, what are you going to replace it with? What are, what are your grand ideas of something that's better? Usually they don't have any. It's that revolutionary, spur of the moment, you know, let's throw bricks through America's windows yeah, it's, and it's burn talking the whole thing down. It's, yeah. it's, it's a little injection point, but I mean, I, I connect it back to a, a sense of stewardship. If God's called you to be part of this nation, okay? What is your responsibility as, as stewardship to make this nation better? Is to rip it and denigrate it and condescend to it everywhere you go? I mean, you could be a, you know, maybe God called you to be a citizen in, you know, some Southeast Asian nation. What is your, what is your responsibility there? Is to be, love your neighbors, love your government, call the system right. to a better place. That's a stewardship principle. Yeah. If God's called you to live in the nation, then live well, care for the people. You know? I love the biblical example when the children of Israel are in captivity. Yeah. And the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah, he says, look, you know, buy land, get married, have kids, um, work your job, put down roots, 
and basically pray for the well-being and the blessing. Right, and they were captives. They were captives, <laughs> right. yeah. So how much more should we be praying for our nation, putting down roots, Absolutely. loving this country? Uh, you know, I love even at our church, you know, we, when, we do, when we celebrate Freedom Sunday around the 4th of July, you know, we have the entire outskirts of our property lined in American flags. I don't know what, what other people think about that, if that's Christian nationalism or whatever, but it's like, aren't you grateful? that in this country, number one, we have the freedom every week to preach the gospel. We have the freedom to take Jesus with us in the public arena. Um, we have a system of law that has been established largely on biblical ideas and concepts, even though they've been uh, severed from their source, we still have them. Uh, I'm grateful to be an American, and that's why I fight so, so strongly for religious liberty and for the freedoms that we have, because the gospel and the preaching of the gospel and the success of our ministry is largely because we have the freedom to do these things. And that's, what, that's where government comes in. So I love that we have flags everywhere uh, on that particular Sunday because I want to let the world know and our people want to let the world know and our community know we love, we love our country. And we're not ashamed to love our country, and we're part. We're going to be part of the solution. We're not going to be the critics on the sideline throwing stones and burning everything down. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be part of the solution to making things better. And I think that's a that is a healthy biblical balance. I, I think again to articulate to other people, Christians probably a lot of Christians who struggle with this issue of patriotism. I mean, I think the best way to articulate is exactly how Aaron Metaxas said it is. If you are with a loved one and they did something wrong, do you just keep trashing it and say, "I'm done with you"? Or do you call them to the right. call, higher the standard? Higher standard. Yeah. You love the person. You don't love the sin, but you don't you don't just throw the person away. You call them to the highest potential. Yeah. You call out where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Hey, trust me. For me right now, I mean, the founding of the nation, the document is, is the establishment. Yes, those are great things. Was it perfect? No, but 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 hey, look, I'm reaping the fruit of it right now today. My kids are reaping the fruit of it today. Okay, so I can't complain too much about that is what's going on right now today in government. Do I like most of it? No, I don't. But am I really just trash America and throw everything under the bus? No, we want to continue to call out, elect righteous representatives yeah. and call out the faults without destroying the nation, denigrating the nation or condescending to the nation. This you know? is why I, I, I always encourage Living Stones folks to get their passport and get out of the country. Once you've left this country, like, like I hear all this stuff, America is the biggest polluter in the world. What, a, what an absolute lie. We have some of the cleanest water. We have, you go across America, it's one of the cleanest places in the world. Go to some other nations and check out what's going on. Uh, and we've been to some of those countries. Right. I won't mention them, but, but it's just, it's, it is absolute leftist nonsense. That we're, there are lies that we're being fed that cause us to hate our nation. Where, where are, I would say this to anybody who doesn't like what's going on in America. Where else are you going to go? Are you going to go to Russia? Are you going to go to communist China? Are you going to go to Vietnam? Are you going to go to India? Are you going to go to any of the Muslim countries? Where are you going to go? Go try to pull the nonsense you're pulling right now in America in some uh, Islamic uh, country right. and see what kind of response you get there. Um, you're going to have your head cut off. Uh, talk about freedom of religion or freedom of speech. Go try that in some of these other countries and see where it takes you in a split second. You know, Pastor Dick talks about being in uh, Tiananmen Square, uh, Red Square there in Moscow. Yeah, in Moscow. Um, China. I'm Tiananmen sorry, in China, yeah. Tiananmen Square. Um, and uh, he, he said, hey, you know how long it takes you to be arrested if you try sharing the gospel here? I said, how long? He goes, about 30 seconds. I tried. So, <laughs> you know, here he is sharing, talking about Miles' little red book, right? Uh, and you start talking about the gospel, the, the, the Jesus' book. 
and you got about 30 seconds before you're taken away. Uh, there's just no freedom to share any ideas other than the government script. And we're seeing a little bit of that in our America today. But my point is, we, we have to treasure what we have. And if we don't know how exceptional and how unique it is, we'll never treasure it. Um, so let's get back to this. Metaxas gives some ideas on, on where we need to improve if we want to create a sense of patriotism and love for America. He gives some practical steps. The first one was um, he talked about uh, the arts. Uh, and and you, you and I both were a little bit like the arts. But the arts are powerful in that there are movies, there are um, songs, there's poetry, there, uh, there are ways to communicate uh, these ideals, just like Abraham Lincoln did in his poetic language that he used. They move people. And the one example he gives, and it's a, it's a movie I absolutely love, mm-hmm. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Um, and it, it's about the, the common guy that somehow gets elected and goes off to Washington, realizes everything's not perfect, but fights for what's true and right. And, and it's kind of a, a strong patriotic uh, mandate to uh, to be who, who we've been called to be, right? Yep. To, to be Americans. Mm-hmm. And and interestingly enough, he points out that that movie was considered radical and maybe even undermining of democracy when it first came out. Um, nowadays, it would be mocked by by those on the left as some corny and ridiculous and naive. But at the time, I remember Marion and I, we went on a, a weekend getaway and we watched that movie together and it inspired me so much it was either after i determined i was going to run for office or it was a determining factor in running for office but i was so inspired to make a difference to love my country to stand up for truth um and that movie moved people you know during during world wars the movies that were created uh in the in the movie theaters where you'd watch them and half the half the men that watched the movie would go out and sign up Mm-hmm. To serve the country. I mean, there's something powerful about telling a story and about about that type of imagery uh, that we need to recover. Like, where are the patriotic movies? Today? Well, there's none. And, and I'll tell you what. I mean, he's mentioned that perspective, but the, the flip side is what has been happening is the, the reason we are so divisive and the reason nationalism and patriotism in America is so low today is largely because of movies and entertainments and songs. Right. Because of the script writer, Hollywood writers, are largely anti-whatever the, the founding principle. They have a new vision, a new perspective, really not new, but they have their own perspective yep. of how America should be. So they are creating the narrative, and they put plot and emotional devices in the storytelling because yep. they're great master storytellers. I mean, President Obama's... Um, Speech writer, writer was John Favreau, I think, who was the who was one of the director for the Avenger movies. I mean, the, you got right. you got some of the master storytellers right. writing these narratives, and that's why that's why we are where we are today. Because he's exactly right. Telling the narrative, telling the story, shapes everything. You can have the most screwed up perspective, but if you tell a narrative that shows your perspective and your your heart-wrenching story, people will resonate with it. They'll be like, ah, oh, there's a point to your, you know, so, your story. So, so look at yeah. all the movies that are the box office hits, right? Yeah. Like, okay, I was just thinking, do you have any idea what my favorite movie is of all time? Uh, either Patriot Oh, or, you nailed it! Oh, you yeah. nailed yeah. it! Yeah. Of course, we, we spent some time together. Right. But The Patriot was so ridiculed when it came out 
they hated it because there was homeschooling involved. They hated it. I mean, they hated it for every kind of crazy reason. Yeah. But that movie inspired anybody who loves America, loves family, yeah. loves what we stand for, loves the underdog, uh, all of that, it inspired you. Um, ex unless you didn't love all those things and then you hated the movie. Yeah. Think about the one that's out right now about the, the sexual trafficking. Oh, um, um, Sound of Freedom. You know. Yeah. It, is, it yeah. inspires people. Yeah. What, what was that phrase that our, the, our no, that uh, Lincoln used about the, uh, the the angels? You know, the the nobler side of our heart. When you see that, you realize that is evil and wicked to treat children that way and to exploit children that way. It, it moves you. Um, what he's saying is we should see more movies like this, and we are. They're, they're bypassing Hollywood. They're bypassing the normal means. Uh, the chosen, even, and some of these, you know, uh, creative yeah. ways. But I mean, Mel Gibson's blacklisted in Hollywood. Jim Caviezel, who was a big time actor, yep. I mean, he was in mainstream great movies. Actor, great yep. actor. He was in. He was Jesus in yep. um, the Passion, the Passion of, the Christ. of the Christ. You know, he was in Count of Monte Cristo. You know, he's oh, yeah. definitely blacklisted. Yep. So, so, I mean, to get the if you look at the history of how they made Sound of Freedom, I mean, it was supposed to go to Disney, and Disney just put it on the shelf. It eventually, yep. was so. I mean, it was made like four or five years or whatever years ago, and now it finally came out. This how about is the a, Tom uh, Cruise movie that came out, Top uh, Gun. Top Gun yeah. again. It was. It went crazy at the box office because it was non. It wasn't ripping America. That's exactly. all you have to be, right? Yeah, just, it wasn't, just be positive. Yeah, it wasn't like. It wasn't trying to denigrate or destroy a group or whatever. It was just like a general feel-good movie. It didn't even have a villain. The villain has no nation, no name. You right, know, it right. wasn't even like super political. So right? it's still politically correct. It's, it's still very PC, right? But but it generates yeah. so much. But 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 like you said, storytelling is so important. Songs, movies, TV yeah. shows. But again. The, the Christians have left. We have fled the, the entertainment yeah. world, the music world, the, the, the well, not the Christian mu Christian worship, but, yeah. but in general, pop culture world, like we fled Egypt. Yep. And now that's all we get, right? It's Egypt. Right. But we have to kind of, but again, what does it mean for, for, for him, for that to happen, man? We have to have a vision, and some people do have it, but there's not a lot yeah. for, 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 for Christians. Because right now, you know, someone says, oh, mom and dad, I want to be an actor or actress. And, and the first thought no. of the Christian parent is like, no, don't <laughs> yeah. you dare go back to that world, right? right. But, but who's going to have that vision and the dream to say, can you bring kingdom and righteousness to, the, to that marketplace? Yeah. Can we encourage that? Can we teach you? Can the, can the, can, can the God's people come around, around you and encourage you and teach you have a gift in that area? You know, um, Because it's not highly encouraged. It's not mm -hmm. one of those Christian spheres. Right. Yeah. But, but so important for moving people. He, secondly, he says the importance of remembrance and ritual. And he, that was where he gave the example of Flag Day, you know, the students coming out, gathering around the flag, um, singing a patriotic song, somebody explaining what the flag means and why we fly the flag and why we honor the flag and all of that. And he was saying as a young boy how profoundly impacted he was. And again, I don't know if that's happening in our public schools or, or anywhere now. Flag Day, does we even remember Flag Day? But he's saying... These are holidays that we have to stop and we have to say, hey, let's remember what this means. Even on the 4th of July, we're big at blowing things up and eating hot dogs, but like, do we understand the birth of our nation and do we spend any time thanking God for that and remembering the sacrifices? No, you know, we don't. Veterans Day, Memorial Day. Um, we hardly do in the heartland. I guarantee we're not doing the coast. Yeah. 
And that's rest America. <laughs> so that's where, again, it starts with every parent, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're raising a family. Matthew's raising some young sons right history now. Classes. Uh, history classes. History classes. We're doing the you know, biblical citizenship yeah, class, absolutely. which is recovering a lot of these things. Absolutely. But I guess our, our point is if the church is not doing that and if we're not teaching fathers to lead the way in our homes and teaching our, our sons what it means to be patriots, our daughters, why they need to love our nation, then who, who is going to be teaching it? And the, the answer is nobody, certainly not in the public arena today. No. Um, he talked about memorizing you know, poetry, which I, when I heard that, I was like, because that's never been a big love of my life. But for instance, he talks yeah. about some of the, those great pieces of, of a, a poetry that have helped you remember uh, who we are as a yeah. nation. Um, Paul Revere's ride, some of those things. Yeah, well, he memorized. I guess he's Greek, Metaxas, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he mem- he had to memorize some Greek poetry, but some heroic thing that happened in right, Greek culture right. and stuff like that. And he, but he, but I lo- I don't know anything about that story. But he mentioned how his dad, yeah, that wasn't that good. Sat with him and helped him memorize that poetry with tears. His dad, yeah, he would be choked up. Eyes. He'd have yeah. to he'd pause. There'd be this right. awkward silence as yeah. his dad was trying to regain his composure. And I could relate to that because I feel that way a lot. When something touches my heart, I'm trying to read something I read in a book or whatever to my wife, and I have to pause because I'm so choked up with whatever it is, you know. But that's the point. It's these types of things that that get to the heart. They bypass your head and they hit your heart, Um, and they they awaken your passions. And that's, I think, what it means to be a patriot, too. You're passionate about about your country. Um, he talks about the importance of universal ideals, and he, <laughs> he mentions C.S. Lewis's uh, The Last Battle, um, loving oh, Narnia, not England, Narnia, yeah. but loving God's England. I thought, yeah. man, that is so good. We don't, we don't love America. We love God's America. What's good about America or any other nation is godly principles. That's what makes our nation great. And when you lose God, you lose the goodness. And when you lose the goodness, you lose what it means to really love your country. Because what we love are, are the great things about our country, and those great things go right back to God and to his character. So I thought that was a really good point. We, we, no, no, we're not just, we don't just love America. We love God's America. Uh, we, love, we love these foundational principles that come from the Word of God which have led to America's greatness and goodness. Yeah, and the potential it still has. And the people that, that God has put around us. And this is the nation that God has placed us in. You know how I know that? Because you're living in this nation right now. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. your actuality. You can talk about uh, theoretical. If one day God moves you to a different country, then love that country. But today you're here. So love the nation that God's called you. If you love God, love the people around you. The God. I mean, to me, that I, I'm coming from loving America. You know how some people like they, they weren't raised Christians and they had a they went through a journey of faith discovery and now they're best advocates for for uh, po- uh, apologetics for Christian stuff. That's kind of how I am with loving America. I yeah. grew up a cynic. I'm like loving America. Like I, I was not patriotism on any level, I mean, was was just like whatever, nations, you know. And I went through a journey of discovery, of reading and studying and looking at, and, and you know, my love was with the Lord. But uh, did I connect God to patriotism? Not necessarily. So I went through that discovery and just realized, no, this is a stewardship principle. Like there's no, we have to love the nation we're in. Yeah. God has called us. We yeah. love God. We have to love our neighbors. And I yeah. love uh, Metaxas closes with yeah. this. He says, if we do not love America and teach our children to love America as God loves her, we have, sometimes we forget God loves our country. God yeah. loves our people. We can never love the world beyond our shores, and we can never teach our children to do the same. Kind of what you said, if we don't love our wife first and make our marriage priority yeah. and then our children, 
how are we supposed to love the world if we can't yeah. love? Just try, try not loving your wife and then keep making her feel guilty and shame for her not loving the ministry and love the congregation. Just try that. Have fun yeah. with that one, yeah. right? A lot of pastors have failed. Yeah. He yeah. said, uh, and that precisely is our promise. That is the promise of America. It is why we came into existence, and it is why we have flourished and why we must continue to do so. So if we don't love America, we won't be able to love the nations of the world. You empty your reserves and your capacity and your able ability to go love other nations when you extinguish. It's short-sighted. It's yeah. short-sighted. You know, it was a couple years back uh, in our Freedom Sunday message, um, we sang that simple chorus, you know, God bless America, land that I love, stand beside right. her, guide her uh, with the light, you know, from above. Um, it's really a prayer. And... Um, and we just, you know, it's a, but it's a patriotic prayer, but it's a prayer that, that says, God, will you keep blessing our nation, this nation that we love? You, you'll never make that prayer in the first place if you don't love your country. You know, you, you, you cry out in prayer about things that you're passionate about. So we love our country and we ask God's blessing so that the gospel can be preached so that we can steward the blessings that we've received, and so that we could take the good news to all the nations of the world. That's Absolutely. the divine calling Absolutely. that our founders believed that we had, and that's the, that's the calling that we need to recover in America and today. That, and that's wisdom. You know, if you run yourself ragged, you're so stressed out from caring for other people, you don't take care of your health, you don't take care of your mind, you don't take care of your body, your, your span, your capacity to help other people be severely limited, yeah. right? Yeah. So the wise thing is to slow down a little bit, make sure that you're healthy. The nation is healthy itself, right? Get some sleep, get some rest, make sure you're not stressed all the time. That's Fair, practical wisdom, neighbor, right? Amen. Yeah, then we can go out and great have greater capacity because, yeah, the ultimate vision is to love the nations and, and care for the people in the world. Absolutely. That's on our it's hearts. It's kind of funny. It's, it's a globalism, but it's a globalism of a different sort. Well, I would it, argue that the, the globalism we see, it's, a, it's an anti Christ substitution of right. the true kingdom of God. It's exactly. their version of the kingdom, and I won't go into all that, but I mean, I, to that's me, for it's, another podcast, to me but... that's crystal clear, right? It's, <clears throat> it's a counterfeit, we talk about counterfeit salvation. It's a counterfeit salvation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they might not even see it. They see a salvation period because they don't believe in Jesus. But the point is, yeah, we, but we have a, a mandate for God's kingdom, Amen. right? But we have a strategy for that. And it's a very practical strategy, yeah. is that we must first make sure that we are well, yeah. and then we can go out. So hey, let's keep working to uh, to make this American ideal uh, all it's meant to be: to love God, to love our neighbor, to care for America, to love our country, and most of all, to pray that God would unite us from the great divide and the great uh, separation that exists right now in America. But I guess I, I just end with this admonition: sometimes we we get and we become a kind of an activist, right? Uh, we hate the bad guys on the other side, and uh, and we have to just do it differently in Christ. We've got to love uh, our country. We've got to love people, uh, and we have to be committed to serving, which is a whole different posture, not, not taking dominion in the sense of uh, I'm going to defeat you and conquer you, but leading by serving and loving and, and, and a, a leadership, I guess, that builds bridges and doesn't continue to divide us. Um, that's the challenge before us, and uh, we can't do it if we don't love our nation in the first place. So let's be committed to that. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll look forward to being with you next Thursday.